You know, it's kind of been like a, a lazy, not even Sunday afternoon, a lazy weekend for those of you who are native to Phoenix, Arizona. Raining, cloudy, December weather in Phoenix. The Phoenix Suns travel to San Antonio to go ahead and play the San Antonio Spurs, the lowly San Antonio Spurs. And Matthew, this was kind of a sleepy game too. The Suns end up winning by 38 at no point. Even when the game started with the, the Spurs having a seven-point lead, in no way, shape, or form were the Suns challenged in this game. It was actually kind of a fun watch. It's fun after you play a game like against the Houston Rockets where it's high stress and and that fourth quarter was them giving up a 10-point lead. In this one, you really didn't have to worry about that. All right, you're on mute. Yeah, that's 100% right. You are on mute. Lazy. Oh, oh. Am I here? Do you there hear you me? are. Oh, that's me. Um, great game last game in the first half. They had a game they could have won. They let go of it. The Rockets took the win. So they wanted to make sure today that didn't happen because they could have beat the Rockets last game. Tonight it was like, or today, excuse me, two o'clock game. <laughs> yeah, today, weird. starters, bench, everybody. They were like fucking like, this is like the last game of the season kind of feel. They just want to get over with quickly. Taking care of business. That's what they did. TCOB. I dig it. <laughs> yeah. It just goes to show you the difference between the second to worst team in the Western Conference and the worst team in the Western Conference. Because we've seen those two teams in the last two games for the Phoenix Suns. The Houston Rockets, as we mentioned in the last podcast, have a lot of young athletic talent. They're quick. They try to, they, they don't stop coming at you. And then you get the Spurs who don't know what they are, who don't really have a lot of talent and are on an 11-game losing streak now following their loss to the Phoenix Suns. So on when, when you play a team like the Houston Rockets, you have to keep your guard up. When you play a team like the San Antonio Spurs, you don't have to guard them at all, and it's fantastic. No, <laughs> You kind of just let them do their own thing. At the beginning, I was like, oh, no, Vassell's going off. Like, what's going on here? But <laughs> it took the Suns a little bit to get back into the groove. And they... um. They, they performed at a high, high, high standard like we expect them to. So Yes. It's great. Easy, it's great Sunday, man. Nice, easy victory for the Phoenix Suns because, as we'll mention at the back end of this podcast, we have a tough week of basketball before us. So it's nice to know that the Phoenix Suns go ahead, win this game easily. Like I said, 33-point victory. They are now 16-7 and seven on the season. So thank you to everybody who is watching along live on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. Or if you're listening to this at a later time and or date, Thanks for hanging out with the Suns Jam Session Podcast. Truly appreciate it. Thanks to everyone who follows us on Twitter, at Suns Jam, and who voted on a little poll. Not really a poll, but I I put a couple different logo ideas that I'm throwing out there. We're in the process of doing a little bit of of, a minute minute rebrand here at the Suns Jam Session Podcast. Changed the font on our logo a little bit. I reached out to the Jamster Nation and said, hey, what do you think about this logo if it was orange versus purple? Purple always wins. Purple Palace. We are a purple team, it appears, Matthew. Yeah, purple's scary, though. I mean, a lot of uh, psychopaths, they're their favorite colors. So if you're if you're dating, if you go on some dates and someone's like, oh, my favorite color is purple, just be careful because usually they're a psychopath. Those, or a, a Suns fan. Or a Suns fan, but I, if they just like purple and they paint their rooms purple. You know what? Ooh. I'm sorry. If I offended anybody out there and you're not a psychopath. Just deal with it, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, what about orange? <laughs> like, how do people feel about orange? Yeah, orange is a weird one, actually. Orange is actually something where um, you were. I can't think of anything funny to say. 
Funny. <laughs> just stick with the facts. Just the facts, man. Stick with the facts. Well, if you're hanging out on Twitter, you can go ahead and follow me at Darth Voida. You can read my writing at brightsideofthesun.com. You can follow Matthew. At Matthew Lissy. I think it's time, even though it's a Sunday afternoon, Matthew, I think it's time to pop open a teeth cracking cold brew. I actually have something that's called a Riverwalk Golden Ale. So I think this is from San Antonio from the Riverwalk. So it it kind of tastes like homeless person pee, like Texan homeless person pee. So it's got a little bit of Tex-Mex spice to it. But but a nice refreshing flavor like three minutes after you drink it, right? Like at first it's bitter and then it tastes like urine. And then like three minutes later, you're like, oh, I feel like I just had – some mint in my mouth so i'm gonna pop that open i assume that you're popping open some yeah i got a water right here nice fantastic let's do it pop them if you got them suns fans <laughs> and let's uh let's talk about this dominating victory for the phoenix suns Ooh, that's tart Thirty-three to ninety-five, the Phoenix Suns blow out the San Antonio Spurs, who now find themselves six and eighteen on the season and on an eleven-game losing streak. But it brings me to my first question for Matthew. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask. Yes, sir. Do the, Phoenix, do the Phoenix Suns ever play the San Antonio Spurs? on a normal time or at a normal location, like ever. <laughs> we were talking about that today. It always seems like the weirdest situation, especially for us. I feel like a few times they play, we're on vacation or we're somewhere else, so we have to do it in a different location. Um, but Sundays, those kind of games are just, they're brutal. It's its a day you just want to watch football. And it's not a day you want to watch the Suns play the Spurs. If it's back in the day, yeah. Now it's just like, do you even watch it? I wouldn't blame the Jamsters if they're just watching football and they just kind of – they're watching like on their phone the score go up and down it's okay it's a free pass today i feel like it's weird because they'll play them at an afternoon game on a sunday or they'll play them like in mexico or they'll play them as you mentioned for some some reason every time we take family vacations (laughs) that's when the spurs played i think we played them last year we were up in flagstaff for a weekend uh one time we played them i was up in laughlin with my family for a weekend so Somehow, some way, I don't ever feel like it's a Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Suns are playing the Spurs. Uh, but it worked in the favor for the Phoenix Suns because entering this game, the Phoenix Suns were 3-0 and on Sundays this season. They are now 4-0 and with a dominating performance by the Phoenix Suns. I don't really know where to start, so I'll start with probably the easiest thing for us to talk about. As per usual, it's DeAndre Ayton. watch. It was interesting because this is one of those games in which you look at the starting lineup for the San Antonio Spurs. Zach Collins is out there. Uh, He only played 17 minutes, but Zach Collins of Portland Trailblazers fame, he's out there. They got Bates Diop. They got Keldon Johnson. They got uh, Trey Jones. They got Devin Vassell. And you look at that opposing lineup and you go, you know what? This is one of those games in which DeAndre Ayton should feast. And those are always the games that scare us, right? Because – 
those are typically games where DeAndre Ayton will kind of take a, a back seat. Devin Booker will step up. Mikael Bridges will step up. And D.A. just kind of hangs around. And while some aspects of that occurred tonight, D.A. was a force to be reckoned with. 10 of 14 from the field, 4 of 5 from the free throw line. He had 25 points. He had 10 rebounds, only had one personal foul. And he had one three where he looked like after he sank that three in the first quarter, he was just kind of had that like, ain't no thing look on his face. I mean, what another great game by DeAndre Ayton in this one. As it well was, as could be. yeah. Yeah, and like last game was kind of not, it wasn't an off game. It was like a transitioning game that I called just a different kind of game for him. It wasn't anything bad. Tonight it was, or today it was a game where it took a little while for him and Book to get things going. But once they did that, two man game looked really good. I think he did a really good job of putting himself down there uh, underneath the basket. He was huge. He was dominant, dude. We were watching at your place the first half, and then I drove home, watched the rest here. I just thought he looked humongous down there. Like, I don't know if it's because he's never really down there that much around. Like, he's never, like, I don't know. He's never under the basket that much. But maybe those guys are just so small around him. But he looks so gigantic next to them, man. He had his hand on almost every ball coming off the rim. Any kind of tip, any kind of rebound, he was there. It seemed like very efficient night tonight. And it's funny because I was so excited to see this game after last game because it was such a weird transition of game. But they kept going with the Aiden and Booker thing this game. And, of course, Mikel had the 20 points. But it was just them too, man. It was what whatever they can do to basically drown this team and they did it quickly they they made sure that the offense was kind of flowing nice going in second quarter third quarter they just blew them out so you kind of have Aiton now where he's he's at that level where these games where we were scared in the past for him to show up he's excited to he's excited to get those points he's excited to just kill these teams where he knows he's just that dominant and he's getting a lot more touches, and he's working on his moves. There's a few more moves he can probably throw in there, but the spin around, everything he's doing mm-hmm. out there looked really good tonight. Today. Yeah, and and I, I got to note that he did all of those statistics that I stated earlier in only 25 minutes. So he was Crazy. unbelievably efficient yeah. today. Yeah. And shout out to Buck Dog, one of our elite jamsters. If you want to become an elite jamster, simply click the join button on YouTube. He says, Aiton officially deserves more love than that drop, Darth. Yeah, maybe it's time, you know, for those of you who watch the podcast, uh, if you're if you're listening, <laughs> you just hear the eight and watch, but you don't see the actual drop that goes with it. Mm-hmm. I have two plays. I have one where eight and fumbles the ball away, and I have the other one where he dunks on Giannis last season. And that's because it shows you the duality of DA and and maybe Buck Dog is right. Maybe it's time I retired the fumbling, bumbling DA because he has put together about three weeks yeah. of really solid basketball. I agree. Jeff Jeff F in the in the chat says DA got touches. Thank you, team. And I think it's interesting because I, I want to see what his final touch stats were in this game because that was kind of the big, I wouldn't say argument, but observation after the Houston game was DA had kind of a poor stat line and everybody's like, well, the, the, the team's not feeding him the ball. The team's not feeding him the ball. And I don't think that was really the case in the Houston game. It wasn't that they were feeding the ball. He just, Monty kept him on the bench due to his continual foul trouble. He ended with five fouls. And that's kind of been the thing I've been stating throughout the season on Twitter is when DA finds himself in foul trouble, obviously his production goes down. The growth opportunity, we've seen the aggression, and that's what we want to see. 
But the 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 subcategory, if you will, from a growth opportunity for DeAndre Ayton is to try to stay out of foul trouble as much as possible, knowing that the opposition is going to try to negate him by getting him into foul trouble. That's why Houston did a very good job in that game. They decided, hey, we're going to attack DA. And ultimately, he didn't get the touches because he wasn't available on the court. You look at that game against Houston, he did get, what, 23 touches? Uh, which was fourth most on the team. So it's not like he didn't have the opportunities. He just didn't have the availability due to the simple fact that he wasn't available on the court from the play. In this game, as I mentioned, the one total foul keeps him on the court. Guess what? The big fella could eat all day long. Yeah, and the more touches, the better. And the more he could work on this stuff. And I think he realizes now it's like these games that don't matter, it doesn't mean that you go out there and just get a half half fast effort and you'll get the win. These are games you get to work on stuff and you can improve your game because the only way to get better is actually do it in the game. So he's doing that. That's the one thing this year I was so worried about with him was whether or not he would take these games off or not. So seeing that he gives a shit means that he's going to actually go out there, work on his stuff. He's going to improve offensively, defensively. Defensively, I don't feel like he has improved too much. He's still sometimes there's some mismatch issues where he's just kind of left alone and he can't do too much. He can't do more than what he can out there. So I don't, I'm not looking defensively, but offensively, man, if he can continue to like get in his spots, because that's the big thing. I don't want to see it in the playoffs or towards the end of the year where he's down there way too low by the basket where they can't get those passes into him because they'll get tipped and he's still asking for the ball. So work on where you're going to get the ball at work on your positioning. That's the biggest thing. And then they're going to give you the ball. There's that's the thing that's so crazy. It's like you know this team wants to get Aiden involved. Oh yeah. They would be crazy not to. How would you not want Aiden to have that many touches and at least have 15 shot attempts a game at least? Like it, it's something that they want to do. It's just up to him. And this show this show this side of him like it gets us more excited going into these games on a Sunday where you just don't really give a shit but you want to watch Aiden. You want to see his improvements. Yes. That's why I wanted to watch today. Everything game in, else, game uh, in and game uh, out. I don't really care. And to that point, though, and this is the, the argument or the other side of that conversation, Aiton can't pass Aiton the ball, and we're a guard-centric offense. And that's something that I think Monty Williams and the other members of the team are starting to realize. Like, we don't have to be so guard-centric considering the master class that DeAndre Aiton can do down in the post. We're starting to see that, you know, even Eddie Johnson mentioned it on the, the broadcast today. He did the, the dream shake. He's starting to get some of those Akeem Olajuwon kind of spin dream shake moves. Today it was a, it was a spin because what he does is he gets the ball and he spins hard to his right. And tonight yeah. or today he did a fadeaway <laughs> inside the, inside the key. Whereas in other games he's been doing that and he's doing the soft left-handed layup or he's going in for a jam. So we're starting to see multiple things happen off of that one move. And what's going to happen is I can't wait. And you know, it's coming Matthew where he's going to do that spin for the dream shake and he's going to do a pump. It's because everything he's doing, he's dream shaking. He's doing the spin move and he's doing, he's going right to his move. But what's going to happen is the opposition is going to be scouting that. And they're going to like, they're going to be like, listen, once he's done doing his spin, just jump up because he's going to be doing something. And he's going to do that dream shake pop, you know, pump fake. The defender's going to go flying by and he's just going to lay it in ever so nicely, just as, as Hakeem Olajuwon used to do. So he's adding all these different factors to the game because Monty Williams and because the guards are understanding, hey, we got to get him the ball down in the post. We have to be better at getting those passes in the post. I feel like the last two seasons, that's been the primary issue for DeAndre Ayton, is Devin Booker and Cameron Payne couldn't get him an entry pass to save his life. And there were times where it felt like Chris Paul was freezing him out. Yeah, no, it totally looked like that. So you never knew who to believe. Um, the passing out too, where Aiton, you know, he's he's sometimes driving. They do the pick and roll. 
I mean, let's start. They do the pick and roll, and then he's just he hits it nice where he goes quick to the basket, but then he gets the ball, and sometimes there's two defenders down there. So I like the fact that he does pass out sometimes. I like the fact that if he's iffy on it, he's like, oh, like if I, you know, attack the rim, maybe it's a charge. I don't want to get into foul trouble. He's so good at passing where he can find the other guy. Like there was mm-hmm. that one pass to Shamit where it seemed like it was kind of tipped or something, but, and it seemed like he was going to go, I don't know who was in the corner. Maybe it was Lee or somebody. It looked like it was going to go to him, but Shamit was more open, but he like kind of redirected the pass. Perfect pass. So it's like, he's one of the best big man passers out there. And you're going to see more of that. I just like the fact the iffy thing, if like, if this is not going to work, if I get to the rim and I cause it, a charge or something that's going to be big. Like it's going to be, it's going to be my second foul or something like that. I'm going to be out of the game. Just pass it out. Get rid of yes. it. Don't take the charge. Just do the smart thing. So I like seeing that from Aiden. No, I do too, because again, it's cerebral basketball. And that's going to be something that again, through these repetitions, as you mentioned, through these repetitions by playing hard in San Antonio against one of the worst teams in the league is beneficial for Aiden because it gives them the reps so when he does see those doubles, because they started doubling him at will, you know, I yeah. mean, I, Devin Booker got triple teams on him today. So again, these are things that it's good to see. You're not going to get those by taking the day off, by trying to sag off on offense, sag off on defense, play weak side as much as possible and jog up and down the court. If you're going to go ahead and try to be as aggressive as possible at all times, these are going to be the repetitions that when you start to really see some quality defensive teams come playoff time, you're going to have a better understanding of, of, what to do and your team's going to understand what, how to occupy that space to set you up for success. I agree. Twice. Agree twice. I agree. The award. Shout out to Mikhail Bridges, the man who's the ultimate paradox. If you're a betting fan, I like to bet on threes. <laughs> Suns fans. I like to bet on Mikhail's threes, you know, two threes, it's a good thing to throw into a little parlay. Hey, Suns are going to win, or Suns by X amount of points, and Mikhail gets two threes. And every time I vote for Mikhail not to do anything, that's when he actually hits him. Tonight, today, fuck me. Fuck us. Hold on, we're doing this. <laughs> we, we'll do it all day, because it's still light outside. Right outside my window, still yeah. light outside. And it's a Sunday in December, so you know it's early if it's still light outside. But Mikhail Bridges today, 20 points, 7 of 11 from the field. Six of seven from beyond the arc. He had four rebounds. He had three assists. He was part of the the, the three-point onslaught. It was raining in Phoenix. It was raining threes in San Antonio. The team was 19 of 37 from beyond the arc. That's 51.4%. And again, Mikhail, six of seven from beyond the arc. Two questions for you when it comes to Mikhail Bridges and his productivity today. One, does Mikhail hate me? Because every time I don't bet his three totals, that's when he does well. And two, do you think he'll end up in the three-point contest? Oh, that's a good question. I like that. Do you think – I think his uh, rotation and um, the release is – it's a lot quicker this year. So maybe he can do it. Because before, it would take forever. I feel like he would maybe get to three racks, and that would be the max, right? Gotcha, gotcha. Now Now it's quicker. I still think it's a little too long, dude. He takes a little bit too long to get those up. But I don't know, because wasn't it Cameron Johnson that was going to be our guy last year, but he got snubbed and was not in the three-point yes, contest? Yes, he so should have been, too. He should have. And if you think about it, it's like he over Mikhail Bridges definitely should have been. So I think Mikhail Bridges is kind of a second thought for a three-point shooter. So I don't know. I don't think so, honestly. God, 
I really think he I, I think he could. I think he could represent because again, Phoenix is is well enough. Perhaps some of that, you know, the Suns got snubbed by having some good three point shooters last season, but ultimately didn't get anybody into the three point shooting contest. Maybe some of that carries over into the season. You take a look at the Suns overall, and they from a three point shooting percentage standpoint, they're sixth best in the league. They're thirty seven point nine percent from beyond the arc as a team. And if you look at Mikhail Bridges, uh, he's now shooting. I mean, obviously you have 48.9% coming from Damian Lee, 52.6 coming from Ish Wainwright. But Mikhail Bridges is shooting 45.5% from beyond the arc after today. That's And he's a starter, and he plays for the best team in the West. Yeah. I know we're two months away from the, from the All-Star game, but I think he's somebody who could get in. Yeah, he can. Uh, the thing is, like, are you talk, talking about just as an all-star? Or just no, as I'm talking about the three-point shooting contest. Okay, yeah. I mean, if you put it that way, for sure. And against the Southwest Division, too, he's actually averaging his highest point total of 19.3, and he's shooting his second second highest at 47% from three against those teams. Good. So We'll need him tomorrow. Something about those jerseys, something about being down in that area, you know, the big, beautiful women out there. Maybe that's what it is. Who knows what it is? But he's he's killing those teams in the Southwest Division. Do you know where the All-Star game is in 2023, Matthew? Is it in Dallas? Where is it at? Uh, I think it's in Salt Lake. It's in Salt Lake City. Okay, cool. Yeah, there you go. The more you know. I hope somebody learned something today by listening to the Suns Jam Session (laughs) podcast. Uh, You take a look. uh, Who just asked that? Uh, Hey.Zero. He asked in the chat, well, what about Damian Lee? Should he be a member of the three-point shooting contest? Third Yeah, Yeah, third highest in the league. What, what do you think, him or Mikhail? If you had to choose between one or two, not only to send there, but with the best possibility to win? Um, Lee, for sure. And why? I don't know. I'm thinking about catch and shoot because I know Lee's really good catch and shoot. I mean, that's all he that's, fucking does. That's the why. He's, in my opinion, you're, it's Damon Lee because he's just quicker. He's got that quick release, right? Yeah. So him with the rack, just boom, 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 boom. I feel like he'd stand a better chance. And I think it'd I be fun. I yeah, I can see. I can see him, you know, going hot, getting hot, and then Steph Curry's over there. Like, oh, dude, that's my brother-in-law, or whatever. And <laughs> yeah, know, having a good time, you know, da- yep. dapping up everyone in the first row, and mm-hmm. and having a good time. So yeah, we'll see what happens. But I think both of them, the the sheer fact that the Suns shoot are the sixth best team from beyond the arc, I think it's something that we have to value as Suns fans because we have a history of not being great from beyond the arc. Look at last season. I don't know what the final statistic is, but I'm sure I can pull it up while I'm talking to you right now. But remember that obviously this was a team that was monsters of the mid range could kill you in the clutch, but from beyond the arc last season, we were 26th in the league in three point shooting. We are now sixth. It's something that should be valued and appreciated uh, because again, you're always in the game. If you can shoot those threes and we've seen it from other teams and, and it's been happening against the Suns forever. Yeah. You're, you know, you're you're up and you think you got it and all of a sudden they go, you know, nuclear from beyond the arc. And we're a team that doesn't have the ability to do that. It's nice to know that we have that working for us as a team. We have that. And I feel like the free throw, I haven't really looked it up, but the free throw, getting to the free throw line, that's kind of, it seems like it's been going up. Um, But I have to double check that, of course. But it just seems like from the eye test. Free, throw, free throw attempts. We are 28th in the league. Still? Yeah. What the fuck? We're not good. Big Dick Booker. Back down to earth. He was 7 of 16 from the field. Only 20 points for him. So 
for all the use who for all the use who bets the overs, use was wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He did have eight assists, only twenty eight minutes played. Uh, just a bad game from Booker, and if a bad game from Booker is twenty and eight, then I'll take it, you know. But it was nice to see other members of the team have the ability to step up and provide point totals when Devin Booker yeah. and the shot just wasn't necessarily falling, knowing that the Spurs were throwing fucking triples at him. Yeah, and I don't. This has to be the first time, and you know, maybe I'll look it up later. A lot of these things I'm throwing out there, I haven't looked up, and I never will look up. But Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Mikhail Bridges, when's the last time they were over 20 plus points or 20 points plus in the same Good game? Good question. Good question. I bet you never. And then Sarge had 17. So if he would have got 20, this, that would have never, there. ever happened. There. So, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so we're talking about Devin Booker right now, huh? Yeah, we are. My take on him. Yeah, a little off game. No big deal. Right? I don't think it's a big deal. I love the way he's working with DeAndre Ayton. I think that's the one thing that's going to be really just understated is just the way he's really handling the whole Ayton situation and trying to win games with this team. And I want to know, like, how much, like, he, of course, like, working the pick and roll, they never looked this good before. But how much, like, in practice, how much um, that they're actually practicing this and how much before, like, before this season, last season, the season before, what is like the difference? Where have they been working on this? Is it just in practice or is it something they've always been practicing, but DA just now is really hitting those pick and rolls hard. Like, I just don't understand why it looks so good now and not like well, the last, maybe because Chris Paul's out. Maybe, maybe. And there's more opportunity for Devin Booker to get it. But I feel like consistently last year, there were, there was a set play that Devin Booker would, you know, he'd go to the, to the right. There'd be a pick by DA. DA would roll to the left and he him for alley-oops all the time. I just think that we're seeing other things outside of that. We're seeing a lot of uh, side pick and rolls. And then uh, DeAndre Ayton is slamming the baseline and Devin Booker is not hitting him on alley-oops, but hitting him on you know quality bounce passes. And that's the thing that I took from this game. And I'm glad you, you brought it up because it wasn't a great Devin Booker game from scoring, but again, he had eight assists in this game and he was, he was keying on keying in on DA and utilizing the advantages that he had when they were throwing those triple teams at him to navigate this offense correctly. Because again, without Chris Paul, and Cameron Payne not having a great game either. It was just it was an off night for yeah. campaign. Two of eight from the field, one of four from beyond the arc. I needed two threes from him. I only got one. He had six assists. He had five points. You know, but you're playing a you're playing a San Antonio Spurs team where Devin Booker is like, yo, I'm just gonna take this over from a distrib- distribution standpoint. And I think that it's not it, they're working on it all the time. It's in practice, but we've seen a lot of it in the games, especially over the last three weeks, where that Devin Booker DeAndre Ayton connection is getting really, really solid and really, really consistent. It is. It looks It looks professional. It, it actually just looks professional. And tonight's game, you know, Cameron Payne, where he kind of just disappears a little bit, but the bench is like, when they came in in the second, they looked so good. They looked moving the mm-hmm. ball around, really just playing really great offense. You didn't really worry about the, the first team. You kind of just felt, you know, they're under 30 minutes this game. Most of the starters, are, I mean, all the starters were under 30 minutes. So that's the one thing that's great. And when you get a second quarter like that and a third, you're like, okay, you're not going to play a lot of minutes, the starters being the starters. So let's focus on this the second unit that kind of tore it up tonight, dude. They kind of looked like the most their old cells, especially the uh, Jock Lendell. Well, let's Definitely let's did. talk let's talk about the second unit. Ever since I've been here, we talked about everything you want is on the other side of hard. This is hard. Monty, Monty Williams, coach of the Phoenix Sun. 
So Monty did a really good job navigating. I don't know if it's necessarily he did a good job, but the players who came out there, one, they're playing the second team unit of the San Antonio Spurs, whose first team unit sucks. But two, like, as you mentioned, the ball was popping. Uh, Monty had a William out or Monty Williams had ran a lineup out there that included Point Shamit, Josh Akogi, Damian Lee at the three, Ish Wainwright and Jock Landell. And this is the first time in quite some time that we've actually seen Jock Landell come out and play as a member of the first or the second team unit rather than like the third team unit or that fourth close, that fourth quarter energy guy, if you will. And all those guys looked really, really good together. Ish Wainwright had eight points, three of three from uh, the field, two from two from beyond the arc. Josh Akogi shot the ball way too fucking much. He was four of 12 from the field. He ended with nine points and 11 rebounds, Matthew. So nine and 11 from Josh Akogi. Now, granted, he was 0-4 from beyond the arc. Then that brings his season total. He is one for 18, <clears throat> which is 5.5% from beyond the arc. So don't shoot the don't shoot the threes, Josh. But he was a part of that second team unit unit. And again, Josh Landell, who only played 14 minutes, but he had 12 points and four rebounds. Tell me about all all what was is San Antonio that fucking bad? No, yeah, they are. And that's a game okay. where you can you can shoot that that many threes, whoever you are, whoever's on the court, you can shoot those threes. I'm sure even like DeAndre Ayton's one for one was kind of like you're playing the Spurs, go ahead. You know, it's you're that wide open, just jack it up. Landell made one, Sarge made a couple. So it looks good when you're playing the Spurs. It's okay if you're playing the Spurs. Um, I like Akogi coming in, playing that kind of defense where it's like mm-hmm. if the Suns turn it over, Akogi's there a few times to kind of get the ball back. And a lot of a lot of the Jamsters were actually asking last game too, like against Houston. It seems like a game where he can kind of play and match the physicality towards the end of the game. But the thing is with Akogi, like he doesn't play too much, so it takes too long for him to kind of get adjusted, I feel like, in the game. And he's just is kind of a he's a zero on offense. So for that reason, I feel like that's why he doesn't play as much. But if you need that defensive intensity, it's good to have him in the game. Like I think last game, I think that might have would it wouldn't have won the game, but I think it would have helped a little bit. Um, when you're seeing him tonight play with that second unit, it's fun because his defense kind of everyone kind of feeds off of it. It's kind of like mm-hmm. how do we stay up for this game? You kind of put in guys like Landell and Akovi because especially Landale, who's kind of fighting for those minutes still to come in earlier in the games, they're going to give you that effort and they're going to keep the team on their shoulders and continue to play it with high effort. And that's what you want, because if you have these guys coming off the bench that can't play defense and they're a zero on offense, like it's going to be like, all right, well, the starters are going to be playing 40 minutes tonight. But no, these guys come in and they, they want to just get the job done for those starters. So guys like Okogi and Landale, those are those kind of guys that can come in and make sure that the lead stays 40 or 30 plus to make sure that you can just go home easy and get a, get a win easy today. And to Kogi, I swear I got to come up with a drop. I have an idea. I might actually have time. I I got, I mean, when he comes out and he puts up 11 rebounds and he also had five assists, 11 rebounds, five assists, those tie career highs for Josh Kogi. So he needs a drop, yeah. and I'm sorry, Jamsters. I have it, and I, I should have the time today, so I'll, maybe I'll put something together. I know it is disappointing. <laughs> it is disappointing because everybody else on this on the team, I think, has a drop, just like everyone who is an active player for the Phoenix Suns actually played minutes tonight. So, it was, again, today. Fuck me, running backwards through a cornfield. Uh, Ten points for Landry Shamit. He was two of seven from beyond the arc, three of eight from the field, uh, three assists, one rebound. I thought he played – played a lot better than those statistics am i am i wrong in that or am i right in that that he played better than three of eight from the field and two of seven from beyond the arc 
Yeah, no, I think he, I don't know. The thing is, Shamit's doing everything so well to where it's like the little things. Sometimes I think I called him like a little overdramatic today where he just is so overdramatic. Everything he does, it's just like the maximum effort, but he looks like he just tries too hard at sometimes, mm-hmm. which I mean, he's just the way he plays. But he does little things that kind of just connects the Suns throughout the game to where they it fills in like little holes here or there. But games like tonight where he, what was he, two for seven for three? Damn, dude. Yeah, it doesn't it seem like, like that. Yeah, I well, was he, like, wait. He was penetrating this, this game. Like he, yeah, he, he went he to was, the rim the one time, right? Yep. And a couple other times he went to the rim and he dished out and he found wide open three-point shooters. So yeah. when he's doing that, when he's not just catch and shoot sham it, I think that there's he unlocks a lot more of what his capability is. And the more you do that, the more the defense is going to respect you. And guess what happens? Instead of playing up on you when you're in catch and shoot mode, you're playing three feet off because you don't want to get beat off the dribble. And guess what? Now you have three point shot a wide open three point shoot or shot opportunities. So I think that again is there's a lot of to his game and because he he possesses a quickness that I really really like. Yeah, he does. He's so quick. But I just want to see that step go to the go to the next step. Like because he takes that step and it's like it seems like he's past the guy. He seems like he's past the defender, but he doesn't go the extra step to see if he can make him t- maybe turn the corner. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do that. So he did it tonight once. But it's like I feel like you can do that almost every time and get to the line, draw a foul. Like he's very physical down there, man. He's a guy that loves to dunk down there. He's a lo- he's a guy that loves to like kind of levitate. He thinks he can. Sometimes he does where he can come from the side, like the corner. He does a little pump fix and he comes in. He did that last season a lot. Yeah. And it's just like if he can be that guy that's aggressive down there, he'll get to the line. He'll set the tone kind of for that second unit. But even facilitate, he can do a lot. And it's weird that I keep saying this about Shamit because what he's doing right now is okay. But I feel like there's just so much more there that we'll see towards the end of the season. Um, I feel like we should. That's what. That's the thing is I'm like, Please, can we just see it a few games in a row? Let's just see you be aggressive, getting in the rim. There's no reason why you can't, especially a game like tonight. Oh like, yeah, you just want to just try some stuff out. Even tomorrow against the Mavericks, Mavericks aren't that good. They beat us <laughs> <Yeah>. the last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll talk about those Mavericks here momentarily. But uh, you're right on with Shamit. You know, again, the the capacity to execute's there. There's still a little bit of of being tentative. I feel. But ultimately, it's it's going to be something that as the season progresses, I think we'll see more and more of his confidence build. And in doing so, we're really going to see the multiple facets and, and the things that Landry Shamit could do to help uh, unlock this offense, knowing that he's a backup two guard. Like, he's not going to come out there and score 20 points a game. But if we get some of those 20-point games, man, it's going to be big. I'll tell you somebody who almost had a 20-point game today, and I, I'm glad we get to do the same. The Sarich Smoke Break. Hold on, hold on. <clears throat> Ooh, Landry. All right, Dario Sarich, baby. Dario Sarich, 17 points as a starter. Six of eight from the field. Four of five from beyond the arc. <laughs> only three rebounds, only two assists. Had four personal fouls to lead the team in fouls. But Dario Sarich was stroking in San Antonio today, Matthew. Yeah, and uh, don't lie, James. Just how many times did you get up out of your seat after those threes went in? And you're just like, oh, just like you jump up and you forget you have a cigarette in your hand and you drop it behind you and you end yep. up sitting on it. Yeah, how you, many times? Then, then you burn the couch. You know? <laughs> yeah, yes, you burn the couch and you, you actually spill it into your whiskey or something, you know? Yeah, he, he makes that, that you, midday he makes whiskey you go crazy. drinking. Yeah, he, 
<laughs> he makes you go crazy, man. When he, I just, it's one of those games where I, I think like when you're playing a team like the Spurs, and he goes off, it's just fun. But it's like he's filling in that role though too for Craig. Kind of, I mean, he's not doing a bad job. If we were to lose tonight, maybe we would blame it on him again because I feel like he, <laughs> some people were saying last game, it's like, oh, who, why'd you start him? Why'd you start Lee? Like, well, we you know what I mean. That a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But, but ultimately, when the Suns coughed up their lead, <laughs> but when they when they coughed up their lead in the fourth quarter, it was nothing to do with Sarge. He didn't play. So that's even... Exactly, yeah. It, it's a moot point. But to get that kind of production from him today, again, is one of those things in which we... When you're getting that performance from Dario Sarge, coupled with what the bench did, it was just nice to have a game, knowing that we're on the first night of a back-to-back. The next game is in Dallas tomorrow that you don't have to play the starters a whole bunch because Dario Sarch is fucking hitting four or five from beyond the arc. Like that's nothing but positive for this team. You look at the starters. Bridges was a plus 30. DA was a plus 30. Campaign was a plus 21. And D book was a plus 26. Dario Sarch was a plus 16 because he was playing primarily with the second team unit. You know? So, I mean, he's the one who kind of, got left out of the party with the first team, but he carried that party on to the second team. He's like the guy who's like, he shows up to the party and everyone's like, Oh, cool, man. You're here. Hey, can you go get some beer? And then when he leaves to go get some beer, he stops, he gets that pack of cigarettes from circle K. He smokes a couple and he's out front of circle K and he's like, and somebody comes up. She's like, Hey man, we're having a party. And he's like, dude, I was just mm-hmm. at this party, but I don't really feel like I was invited. And they're like, no, dude, come to our party. He comes up. And and then when he shows up at that party, dude, everyone's like, dude, fucking Dario's here, boy. Keg stand. He's like, you know, and that's what happened today is he did that with a second team unit. Oh, see, I see it as Dario's a guy that he uh I hope hope you enjoy that analogy. Well, I was thinking the other way where he's a guy at the party where someone gets murdered or is missing. It's an unsolved mystery thing. And he's like the one guy that knows something, but he just he doesn't. He doesn't spill the beans, but he knows what happens, but they can't get it out of him. And he's at, you know, maybe it happens at the gas station when he's smoking cigarettes, he sees something, or else maybe it's at the party where someone just leaves. And they're like, where the fuck did he go? And like, and he's the last one who saw him go. Yeah, that's it's like Robert Stack comes up and he's like, they never found him again. (laughs) (laughs) That was a scary shit growing up. Was oh yeah, yeah. have Robert you seen the Stack. new one on that? On uh, yeah, it's it's good. It, it it's okay, but it, I'm also not like nine and terrified like I was when I was. Watching oh, I it. am. My parents never lost let us watch anything growing up. I couldn't watch The Simpsons. I couldn't Me watch either. you know the kids talk back and all that stuff. But my parents would let us watch America's Most Wanted and Unsolved Mysteries in the was, news. I was <laughs> yeah in the news. Like I was terrified as a child. Yeah, tales from the crib. I did. We, we did watch Tales of the Crypt like late at night. We'd stay up late when my parents were asleep, and we watched Tales from the Crypt. Nice. <laughs> uh, the, the San Antonio Spurs. I want to talk about them for just a minute yeah. before we uh, give out some hardware and, and talk about the subreddit stakeout and whatnot. Isaiah Roby, former Oklahoma City Thunder. I know we were watching the game together. What are your thoughts on Isaiah Roby? Is it Robbie? I don't know what Robbie. it is. Um, my thoughts on him. Oh, come on, John. What am I supposed to say about All right, Devin Vassell. Devin Vassell. So watching (laughs) Devin Vassell play in this game, he ends with a total of 14 points. It felt like all of them happened right off the bat. I think he had seven of the Spurs' first nine. He's 5 of 12 from the field, 2 of 6 from beyond the arc. He had five assists, or I'm sorry, five rebounds, four assists in this game. And it's just, when I see Devin Vassell play, 
This is what I think, Matthew. I think James Jones hasn't fucked up a lot in his time as a member or as a general manager and now president of basketball operations for the Phoenix. GMs mess up all the time. They miss on things all the time. That 2020 draft is really like a sore spot for James Jones because he passed up on Tyrese Halliburton and he passed up on Devin Vassell, who I think has promise as a wing in this league. He's going to be somebody who's going to benefit all season long from the season from the Spurs sucking. He's going to see plenty of reps. And I think that both of those, he, he fucked up by not bringing back Jalen Smith. I mean, there's a million things that 2020 draft for some reason, James Jones is completely missed on. Tyrese Halliburton is a clear one. If Tyrese Halliburton was a part of this team, imagine what the Phoenix Suns would be. Play the what-if game all day long. But when I see Devin Vassell, and when we play Indiana, when I see Tyrese Halliburton, I'll have the same conversation. Yeah, the thing is, Vassell, we we all liked him. I didn't think he'd be this good, averaging 20.9 points per game. His three-point percentage, man, is up to 42%. So pretty crazy. He kind of reminds me, you know, just like a, a version of Mikhail Bridges in a way. Just I kind of thought of that when he came out. So maybe that's the reason they didn't take him. The thing is, though, with that draft, it was such a weird draft because it was a COVID draft. Mm-hmm. And no one – there was, like, no trades in the first round. I think a lot of these guys that the Suns wanted, like, they kind of just – they passed up, but also they didn't want to, like, get the guys towards the end up close, like the Desmond Bain. That's the yeah. one guy that the Suns should have got. He's the backup two-guard, or maybe he would be a starter with them right now. Who knows? He's that fucking good. So that draft's tough to look at. And Devin Fassell – Compared to Halliburton and, and Bain, he's good, but I would rather have those two guys over him. I, I love Vassell a lot. Just those numbers, too. Is it good numbers, bad team guy? Who knows? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Who knows? I just I like those other two guys better, but Vassell is there. I get you. I'm with you. Like. I'm with I like you. Bo- lot, both both those guys, Halliburton and Bain above Vassell. Yeah. But still, Vassell. I mean, we didn't we had a we had a shot at all these guys and we missed it. But there's a bunch of teams. I mean, the Kings kick themselves in the nuts every draft because they they keep going after these guys and they just keep missing on them. So the other thing I'll talk about when I talk about the San Antonio Spurs, and I know we bring this up every time we play this, play them. I just truly hate the Spurs. I don't care how shitty they are. It's not there, there's there's none of this. Well, you know, they've been shitty for a while now. So like I can kind of forget fuck fuck forgiving the past. They are still the most hated NBA team, in my personal opinion. The Lakers are up there. The Warriors have become there because they're fans primarily. The history between the Phoenix Suns and San Antonio Spurs will always frustrate the living shit out of me. Looking at their logo, looking at their crappy, boring uniforms, looking at their 50 logo across the court, and the only thing they could do is accent it with brown. So they just have black and brown as their colors. You know, and That's it on their color scheme. Every aspect of the San Antonio Spurs, I will forever hate. I can't stand that team. Is it the most hated team I have in professional sports? Um, the San Francisco Giants are up there too. Geez. But that I might would. be it. Oh, no, I don't know. I can't stand them. No, I, I can't either. Um NBA wise, because the Suns usually they beat the Mavericks except for that one year when the Mavericks won the championship, um, and and last year, like there, there's definitely some disdain for the yeah. But there's disdain for the Lakers, know. right? But like we've, yeah. we've also overcome both of those in different situations, sometimes in dramatic fashion. Like when the Suns beat the Lakers back in I think it was 06, in a game seven where Kobe just like stopped shooting, you know, like 
we've had the, the Spurs. We can never break through. They need us in the balls. They elbowed us in the in the uh, the nose and bloody nose. And you know, I mean, there's so much history there that I I can't let it go. And I I again to forgive is divine or whatever. Fuck that. I ain't forgiving them. I'll never forget San Antonio. I will always. I was talking to. We have a new corporate chef, and he's from San Antonio. And I had to give him shit. I had to say something. I just, I can't not, if I find out you're from San Antonio, I'm going to say something like, ah, Spurs fan, huh? You know, Robert Ory's a prick. <laughs> you had to poison him a little bit? Just a little bit. No. That's, no? That, 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 you don't do anything that's illegal, unmoral, or unethical. So I didn't do that. Okay. But I, I got him with my words. So Matthew, were you hanging out on the Spurs subreddit today? I was. Were you? I was too. Are we doing a double? Ooh. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. So apparently, both Matthew and I were hanging out on the on the Spurs subreddit. So it'll be very interesting to see how our notes combine for this one. But let's see. I'll, I'll bat lead off on this one. The first one I got from the Spurs subreddit, which was was kind of boring today. Not a lot of interaction on there, was there, Matthew? No, it was a lot of negativity. Well, duh. I mean, it was kind of like we were a up lot by of 44 one liners. It wasn't really any any in-depth conversation. It was kind of like, oh, this team fucking sucks. Sorry, I'm watching this game. <laughs> That's the way it was. <laughs> well, the first thing uh, that I got is anyway, I am truly trying to figure out what this team mostly needs. A true point guard, a defensive point guard, a scoring point guard, a go-to scorer or a facilitator, a big a better front court rotation, a new center. Like, I don't know, man, maybe simply more time to let these guys develop more. The reason I brought that up is it just shows you that the Spurs are in such disarray. They have no idea what they even need. None. And I find yeah. that funny. Well, when they get women, Yama, cause they will, when they get oh, women, Yama, oh. it's going to happen. They're the next team up. It's fixed. The Spurs have sucked for a while. They have nobody. They have a cell, but they're going to get women young because there's not another team out there. Where I feel like that deserves them in a way. Okay. The Spurs well. do. Even though we hate the Spurs, it's been a while. So they got to get somebody. Well, and that sucks though. Right. Cause like if the Spurs were to get Wemben Yamba, like <laughs> God, that would just, it, 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 it like, again, all these people are like, yeah, hey, you know, the Spurs, they haven't hurt our feelings, you know, since like 2007, this is why you would hate the Spurs because they would go and get, they get Wemben. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But again, Knowing that this could end up being like the worst team in the NBA, and based on what we saw today, they're probably on their way to doing so. The odds aren't really in their favor. Has any team that's finished worse in the NBA since they redid the format of the lottery gotten the first overall pick? No. But to your no. point, Matthew, this could be the opportunity for the NBA to rig it so it, it works out their way, <laughs> which is first bullshit. Time. First time ever. <laughs> All right. What do you got? What do you got? Uh, the Suns can still, uh, I'm sorry, the Suns can sit all their starters right now, and they might still win easy. At least we're not down by 50. So <laughs> it looked like I remember it was going there. Yeah, huh? I remember. Yeah, I remember yeah. Too. Some guys just like uh, just woke up from a nap. Holy fudge! <laughs> yes. Yeah, and uh, it's a miracle if we score 70 points tonight. So those are my little quick snips from it. All right. Well, here's one. I thought this was great. One person said, "I'm here for leather jacket Timmy." Uh, <laughs> Saw uh, Tim Duncan out there with a little bit of some dreads and some leather a leather jacket on, and then somebody responded, "Leather jacket Timmy feels like the final evolution of a Pokemon." 
<laughs> he does, right? He does. My favorite thing with Tim Duncan is when Giannis was talking about, he's like, I'm just going to disappear from this game and no one will know once I'm done with it. He's like, where's Tim Duncan? No one even knows where Tim Duncan is. And he's the best power forward to ever play the position. Yeah. And no one knows what he does. He helps, he's he's like a Spurs consultant. Like yeah, I know, but like no one sees him ever oh, out he's of chill. You know, he's chill. He's just like he was when he played, man. Just like he was when he played. Exactly. Uh, somebody said, okay, Mikhail, thanks. You can stop now. We're already dead, my guy. As he was going off hitting all those threes in the second quarter. And then this was a this was a good question. Could Texas or the University of Houston college basketball teams beat us in this current lineup? I know that Dude, some- isn't it crazy. But I know, like the Suns got really bad for a while. But were were you ever at the point where we think that we thought that U of A could beat them? Oh yeah, the Suns yeah. never shared the ball. Hell yeah, dude. When, yeah, it was, it when was Josh Jackson was on the team, if Booker was hurt and they had to play with that squad, yeah, because no one would share the ball. They get frustrated. Jackson would flip off the crowd. Bender <laughs> would just do nothing. He'd pass the ball. I don't remember what Bender even did, but it would be that. It would be it number thirty five. It looked cool. One of the worst team sharing teams ever. Worst ball sharing teams ever. And then the last thing I have is somebody said, can't we just forfeit this season and go straight to the draft pick for Wemby? Nope. And I remember those days too, where it's December and you're like, dude, the season's already over. Yeah, but we we would find things to talk about. I feel like I keep thinking about back then. It was like always kind of fun. It was kind of fun. The team sucked, but it was kind of fun to see the development of guys, even though it never panned out. That's what makes it. Fun. That's what makes basketball fun. Is we would you always have some hope. Remember, you and I would sit around and just talk shit about like Devin Booker for hours because he was doing what Devin Vassell was doing. He's just launching up shots and he wasn't hitting anywhere. Yeah. Like, dude, come on, guy. Like, you know, don't th- stop throwing the balls out of bounds. Stop being, you know, be a leader. And he wasn't a leader when he was younger. He would yell at people. He wouldn't yell, you know. I mean, and they didn't garner his his uh, respect yet. So there's always something to talk about in the NBA. There's always something to talk about on the opposition's subreddit. Therefore, that was the subreddit stakeout. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. All right, Jamsters, this should be interesting. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, let us know in the chat who your jam star of the game is. A lot of a lot of people you can choose from for this one, Matthew. So w- which way are you going? Who who are you handing out that hardware to today? I wish we tracked this. I wish we tracked who got the jam stars. If anybody, anybody out there is a jamster and you want to hit me up on Twitter at Darth Voida, shoot me a DM and you have can track this somehow and let us know who's got who Matthew's voted for, who I voted for relative to jam stars to this point of the season. It's not that much. This is what the 23rd game in the season. Let me know. I'd really appreciate that. I might hook you up with something, but uh, Matthew, who are you giving the jam star to? <laughs> let's go. Sarge, Mr. Smoke break himself. Let's Ooh, do it. All 17 points. I'm like, let's give it to him, man. It would be Aiden, but I'm going to give it to Sarge. Cause maybe it's the only time he has a chance to win it. I don't want to <laughs> snub him. I don't want to snub him on a night like this, man. So Mr. Smoke break himself. Sorry. There you go. Well, Crazy Luigi gives it to Aiden, as does David Ray. Coach Fallen Founder, Elite Jamster. Look at that. Look at that profile picture he's got going on right there. Dave King is my son's daddy. That's a that's a nice shirt. Uh, you can purchase that shirt on the Sun's Jam Session Redbubble page. And that is as that is a Darth Void design. DA from Ted Lubin. Coda Kid also gives it to DA. Elmer's gonna give it to the bench. Melissa gives it to Mikhail and Aiden. New Hope Manny gives it to Mikhail. Low Sun says D.A. and Bridges. 
Uh, let's see. Dario from Albert. We got, uh, let's see. Bridges from Zero. I'm going to give it to DA. I got to give it to DA. I got to give it to DA. I just think 25 and 10, aggressive in the way that he was, efficient. 25 points in 25 minutes. Give me that DA all the fucking time. We've been seeing that DA, and I'll tell you, if he goes out there and he puts up, you know, 10 and 8, and we still kick the shit out of the Spurs, people aren't happy. So it's got to be Aiden. It's Aiden for Buck Dog. It's Super Dario for Bees. But I think that I'm giving it to DA in this one. So... Uh, let's see what else are we going to talk about before we get out of here, Matthew. One thing I do want to bring up is uh, yesterday was the end of an era. Sun Solar Panel, Dave King has officially retired from podcasting. He's still going to be running the Bright Side of the Sun site. Uh, I was blessed and honored enough to be on that final episode with him. But for those of you who are fans of the Sun Solar Panel, uh, if, if you're just now hearing this, like, where the fuck have you been all weekend? But, anyways, you know. Shout out to Dave King. Maybe we'll get him on the show from time to time. But a big inspiration. Obviously, he took a gamble on both you and me, Matthew, about three years ago when he reached out to us and said, hey, do you want to join the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network? We thanked him by being on the podcast network until the finals was done, and then we became free agents as a podcast, and we're where we remain to this day as free agent podcasters, just kind of on our own audio feed and doing our thing on YouTube. But one thing that Dave King does a great job of is Brightside Night. And for those of you who don't know what Brightside Night is, it is an opportunity to donate and send a bunch of kids to go see some Phoenix Suns games. So if you're interested, we have a link actually on this podcast. If you click the link to donate, it's $15 per ticket. Every every donation goes to the kids, no extra fees, no extra charges. And the Suns match every single uh, ticket donation. You buy one, the Suns buy one. You buy 25, they buy 25. So all you got to do is click on the link that's located in the podcast, follow the instructions to complete the donation, and very soon thereafter, you're going to get a confirmation email from the Suns ticket rep, Connor Sprague. And, and again, there's there's tiers and levels from there. If you buy X amount of tickets, you're going to get lower-level seats, upper-level seats, a T-shirt, also designed by Darth Voida. But it's a great thing that Dave does over at Brightside. So it's fifteen bucks. How much do you guys spend on 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 coffee a week? How much Amazon shit do you get delivered to your house? Spend fifteen bucks. Send some kids to every every tick. Every time you do fifteen bucks, two kids go get to go see a Suns game. So help the next generation of Suns fans experience what it's like to go to a Phoenix Suns game. Yeah, how about and it's cool because um, Dave's always been like really supportive of us. He's always helped all the time. Um, it's awesome how we kind of got started. I kind of miss the days of like uh, when it was like every when it was solar panel, um, the guys from PHNX, like that that year where we did the finals. Yeah, that'll that be. Fun. I feel like no matter what happens, I feel like that's gonna be like the best time we've ever had as a podcast. Like how how often does it happen where you podcasters from the for the same team, like three different four different podcasts, we all are on the same podcast. We go to the bar, we do it at the bar. Like it was just a crazy, insane. They didn't win, of course, but just behind the scenes, all of it was a great time, and Dave was a big part of that too. So I'm gonna miss that. Yeah, we'll I, never have that again. I don't feel like. No, it was just you know again. There's there's a lot of different, and we still kind of have that. Like the fan in the flames guy, Sun Geek, uh, the Aussies Suns fans podcast. He's on Fire Podcast, PHNX. Like I think we all do a good job of still collaborating and talking to each other. And that's one thing that I. I've always loved about being a part of the Suns podcasting world is we're all very supportive of each other. Again, the more Suns content there is, the better. 
But knowing that Dave King is in a continual part, a cornerstone of that, the pod father, if you will, of Suns podcast, it's just going to be a little darker in the world. So every now and then, you know, we'll throw our shout outs to Dave. We've got a couple Dave King drops. We've got obviously uh, one of our favorite ones, which is, you know, when he cusses. Fuck. And we also have his stat mate. So, I mean, we can we can use those as need be. But, you know, Dave, if you're watching this, I doubt you are. If you're listening to this, I doubt you are. Uh, we love you and we miss you. Uh, best of luck to you as you go on to the next phase of your life, which is quite simply you're just not doing shit on Saturday mornings. Everything else will make. <laughs> so next up for the Phoenix Suns, tomorrow night we are playing the Dallas Mavericks. For those of you who don't remember, this is a team that we played in the first game of the season. Suns were down 22 points at one point. Suns Twitter was on, literally on fire. Like, we had to call the Phoenix Fire Department. My cousin works for Station 1 downtown Phoenix. He showed up. He put the fire out. Damian Lee hit a game winner. Suns won. I believe it was 107-105. Obviously, since then, the Dallas Mavericks have been kind of up and down throughout the season. They're a team that is just trying to understand how to put assets around Luka, how to play around Luka. His usage rate is something that I don't think the NBA has ever truly seen. He he has the ball so much. So when you have somebody who plays – like that, it's really hard to understand how to navigate that effectively. Last I checked, they were 10 and 11. Uh, that was a couple of days ago, so maybe they're 11 and 11. Uh, looking at their standings, click, clicking right now uh, on the NBA standings to see what their their current state of the union is. Let's see. Take your time. They are the number 10 seed at 11 and 11. Matthew, this game's in Dallas. What are you looking for? Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch Luke again. I haven't watched him actually since we played in the first game. So, um, obviously it's going to be the same kind of game. It's going to be a guy what's going to share the ball. He, the thing is like, everyone keeps talking about his, his, him using or him actually controlling the ball so much on the offensive end. It's the way he is. It's, they call Luca planet for a reason. That's the way it's going to be. Um, there's talks about like, I keep hearing like Kyrie or like trades for them to get someone like Kyrie. That's kind of weird. I just feel like Luca would have be so good on a team like the Suns, where if he has, I mean, not like if he has Aiden, someone maybe as half as good as Aiden down there. They have fucking McGee starting at the center position, which sucks. Still, but if dude. he has, if he has like a supporting cast like Devin Booker does, it's it's still a fucking good team because um, I think he would share the ball more, but he still has the assists and stuff. So it's a weird time right now because right now Aiden is fucking looking great. Yes, and then Donches is getting kind of ragged on, and it's and kind of and, and he appears frustrated, right? Yeah, he he does um, because it's not winning. So all he, when they're not winning, he shows it on TV. He doesn't do it behind the scenes like Booker. Booker back in the day used to be, of course, he more of a crybaby and stuff. But he behind the scenes never said anything. I mean, behind the scenes he probably did, but we never heard anything. Luca, you can just see it on his face. So it's going to be fun to see what they do it by the trade deadline because they're going to have to do something because obviously they're not going to return to the conference finals with this team. It's not going to happen again. It's just not. This They got there, not lucky, but they got there beating the Suns, but everyone knew it wasn't really the team that was going to go to the finals. So they mm-hmm. need to make a big move. A Warriors fan. I don't know it. who that would be, though. I don't know who that would be. Oh, yeah, the Warriors were happy. but Oh, the they were so happy when the Suns lost to the Mavs. So, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of question marks around this Mavericks team. So it'll be very, very interesting to see who they are now. Because when we first saw them, the first game, obviously the last thing that was in our 
memory, the last taste that we had of Suns regular season basketball was the horrible way that they went out in game seven at the hands of the Mavericks. And it was the first game of the season. So after everything was said and done, it's like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll wait till December to see who you are and who we are by then. We're still a team that's hurt. Uh, we're still a team that has some challenges, but I think that we, due to the way that James Jones has constructed this team, due to the depth, due to that amazing three-point shooting, and due to an upgraded Aiton, we're a team that's uh, trending upwards. This could be a tough week for the Phoenix Suns. We play Dallas on Monday. We're back at home against the Boston Celtics, the best team in the NBA on Wednesday. And then we've got a baseball-style series in New Orleans Friday and Sunday against the New Orleans Pelicans. These are good teams we're playing against this week. So I'm, I'm glad the Suns got some rest today. It's a quick flight from San Antonio to Dallas. Hell, they could probably take a bus. And it'll be exciting to see who we are and who they are this time tomorrow. Not this time tomorrow. This time tomorrow, the game won't even be fucking started. Uh, but that being said, no matter what happens, remember, Suns fans, no matter what happens, the Suns can't win. Because if we win, Mavericks fans will tell us, well, you don't beat us when it matters. And if we'll lose, they'll be like, well, see, you still suck. So just... Uh, fuck the trolls, enjoy the basketball game, and then we'll see you guys tomorrow. Hopefully sometime this week we have some pretty exciting news coming out relative to the Suns Jam Session podcast, so stay tuned to the pod to hear about that. Make sure you follow my writing at brightsideofthesun.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow the show at Suns Jam, and you can follow Mr. Matthew Lissy. Matthew Lissy. Until tomorrow, Suns fans, go watch some football. Uh, congratulations. The Seacocks won. So yeah, you, they you barely survived. fucking pulled that one off, dude. You survived oh though. You got, you got to use the Seacock pick in the survivors. So you survived. So good for you. Yeah, I'm sure. Thanks. I'm sure you're, you're happy welcome. for me. Go home and love I your dicks. <laughs>